welcome to our sixth episode of Lady Plays. I'm Kate O'Fallon. And I'm Lindy Rosario. And we're your lady producers who bring you a new play written by a female playwright and directed by a female director every episode. This month we're joining forces with Letter of Mark Theatre Company to bring you three special in-person readings live from the Irondale Center in Brooklyn. These readings will all feature new work by college-aged female playwrights. Be sure to stick around after each play for a talk back about the themes in the piece with Lindy, our artists, and the audience in attendance each night. The first part of our live episode series is a solo play written and performed by Antonia Lassar, entitled Post Traumatic Super Delightful. The play is a solo clown look at the college sexual assault crisis and is directed by Angela Dumlau. Post Traumatic Super Delightful. is a play. This is a clown. This is a finger. <laughs> this is a voiceover. Welcome to opening night of my senior thesis. Thank you to everyone at school who agreed to be interviewed. Thank you to the YMCA for letting me use this space after we got kicked off campus. <laughs> Post-show snacks will be in the lobby after the show, and turn off your cell phones. <laughs> Most of all, thank you for coming. The clown walks in front of the curtain. She performs an evocative movement piece. She pulls a business card out of her pocket. If trauma is a bell that rings loudest when it hits, Rape is everything played backward. It gets louder over time. It's the wound that can kill you a year later. And just when everything starts to feel like it might bloom again, you find his business card in your wallet. And you don't know whether to rip it up or burn it or put it in the shrine of things to learn from or throw it off something high and not let go. Rape is the kind of wound everyone thinks they know how to heal. I've heard, you should have just kicked him and run. I've heard, it's been a while. Don't you think it's time to get over this? And when I say I forgive him, because for all my pain, he hurts worse than I ever will, I've heard, don't forgive him. He deserves your hate. Stop telling me how to say the word I. It's the only word that means something different for every person who says it. It's my glass that's shattered. Don't think you can pick it up without getting cut. Don't you realize I'll never hold water as well as I used to? <laughs> I know people want rape to be preventable. The assurance that if you have the right locks, the door will never open but sometimes you don't realize who you're locking in with you. <laughs> you can tell me <laughs> all rape is preventable when you hand me the vaccine. In my world, everything was preventable. You don't catch rape like a cold. You can't take vitamins. You can't use Purell. If you could, don't you think I would have? 
If I could be lightning, I would. If I could rake my body with every explosive that's ever torn anybody's face off, I would. If I could keep my pain out of your life, out of respect to you, I would. But I broke, and now I can't stop leaking. Okay, no. Uh, 
I need to set ground rule. When we talk about case, we use pseudonym for privacy. I can be Lina, it's perfect name. <laughs> but when we talk about case, we use Brian and Julia, okay? Good, so what happened? It all happened before I was hired. This is why they hired such amazing Title IX coordinator. <laughs> you know what is Title IX? What is sort of no? How are you going to write play? <laughs> You're so lucky to have me. <laughs> okay, Title IX is law. You know what is law? <laughs> Good, so smart. Okay, Title IX is law that say no person can be discriminated from education or activity on the basis of gender. This is, if you know, this is same law that is about including women in sport. Yeah, but, 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 it also includes sexual assault because if there is sexual violence on campus, it prevents students from having access to safe education. This is hard to describe to some people, like the big white men who hire me. But they hired me! <laughs> and so now I am here only one month setting up crisis center, Title IX compliance, but it's hard, we have no resource at the school. You're looking at resource. Hello, I am 24-hour rape crisis center. <laughs> this is what university funding look like. We're so wealthy, we can afford crisis center with feet. Left mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at my joke. Okay, okay, I get to the point. This is what happened. Both of um, Brian and Julia were um, both in my world religions class last semester. Uh, well, actually, Brian is a business major, but this is what happens with juniors and in humanities, they scramble. But he's so gifted. He's such a thoughtful student. Oh, um, uh, no. No, Julia did not report the incident to me. Uh, I don't think I was the right person for her to go to. Um, well, she, you know, she was performing very poorly. I think we both knew I wasn't going to be able to offer her the sympathy she needs. And allegedly, it happened while she was drinking. And you know, it's a classic case. It's a classic case of a party student not living up to her potential, you know? This is why she's turning in papers late. She's skipping class. And oh, no, I just brought it up because I just, I just don't think it's plausible that Brian would have made such a poor decision. No, not that, no, not that she was making it up, but when you're a 
a traitor, there's always the possibility you misremembered. Julia remembered everything. It ran in her head. We meet twice a week to talk. I am not a trained therapist, but we have no one. This is my only first case at school ever. A big problem already. Big problem. I tell you, PTSD is mental disability. She has no academic allowance. Violation. Title IX. Violation. And Brian. Brian suspended one semester. What will happen next semester when he allowed back on campus? What is college doing to protect Julia? What is college doing to treat effect of trauma? Violation. 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 So this, this is why we have to file official Title IX complaint. I tell Julia, I say, Julia, once you fight this, once you fight this, you will feel so much happiness, like wow, like Zina, the warrior princess. But Julia, she don't want to file. This is why she don't want to interview for your play. She don't want to talk about it. It's her choice. It's wrong choice, but it's her choice. <laughs> you see, nobody listened to her. And I say, this play, this play, this is chance for you to speak. But she don't want to. It's hard to talk about the soap. I, I know. But I push her. You know, I can file a complaint myself, but if she will not let me use her name, nothing will happen. You, you need me, you understand. I need Julia. You, <coughs> you have to tell me something. I want to know. You are a survivor. Me too. Me too. You get it. You know. I'm so happy to talk to you. Nobody else wants to talk about rape. They're so uncomfortable. It's like, oh, last thing I would want to do is make you uncomfortable. When we talk about horrible act of violence I had to suffer through. No, we should talk about you. <laughs> you know why? You know why I think they hire me? Because the big white men see beautiful Russian woman and they think, eh, she won't make too much noise. I make noise! <laughs> Julia is being abused and we are going to fight it. We're fighting for Brian's right to an education. I'm his faculty advisor on campus. I've been with him since this whole mess started. I mean, no, I couldn't say no. He came to me in tears, tears. And we're obviously appealing to suspension. Do you know he's not even allowed to set foot on campus? It's absurd. Have you met him? He, he's a Southern gentleman. It's old world. He's not a frat bro. He is a fraternity brother. 
He doesn't deserve to be treated like a second-class citizen on his own campus. Because on this campus, a rapist will always have more friend, more support, more ally, more right than survivor. Brian is not a rapist. I will keep saying it. He is not capable of rape. He's not a monster. He deserves to be let back into his own school. This entire school is guilty of abuse. And if that Russian woman wants to think that I'm evil because I'm on the side supporting a man, I'm not betraying any sisterhood, okay? I'm just following the facts. I am playing by the rules. Everyone's so surprised that Julia was raped. I'm not. Look at Brian. Is he being punished? No, he's on vacation. What message does this send? It say, you want to be a rapist? No problem. No. Uh, I don't know. Nope. No. I, uh, I'm not being reluctant. Honestly, you're just asking bad questions. Uh, no, I can't ask myself questions. Uh, because I'm not the interviewer. Really? Uh, okay. Um, uh, I didn't really prepare. Um, no, okay, fine. Uh, okay, Brian, did you rape anybody? No. How's that? Okay, uh, next question, Brian, did you have sex with Julia? Yes. Well, I'm j I just want to be clear. I, I mean, I don't want to disrespect you, but you don't know what happened. Um, uh, this is the next question. Um, okay, Brian. What is the definition of rape? Okay, this is the dictionary. The unlawful compelling of a person through physical force or duress to have sexual intercourse. I did not use physical force or duress. I did have sexual intercourse, okay? I went to a party, a girl was wasted. 
I took advantage of the situation. I did not take advantage of her. I don't know what that Russian woman told you, but she's like impossible to deal with. Are you um, interviewing Julia too? Why not? Did you ask her? Oh, no, uh, that's her choice. Um, hey, can I keep interviewing myself? Okay, Brian, was your case adjudicated fairly? Well, interviewer, I'm suspended. I can't set foot on campus. I can't graduate on time. I'm living on the frat couch. My 14-year-old sister has more friends than I do. And the appeal is just taking forever. And I just wish we could get over it. But we can't, because on this campus, drunk sex is non-consensual. Listen, you've got an opportunity with your show because Young men need to know the rules have changed. It used to be college kids drink and then they have sex, no problem. And overnight, someone made that a crime and it's dangerous. It fucked up my life because according to the new rules, if Julia and I were both drunk, then I'm a rapist. The clown enters. She shows the audience a placard. It reads, I was raped. The clown places the placard on the ground. She steps over it. She holds up another card. It reads, But I got over it. Um, I can't do the interview today. No, I can't do tomorrow. I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks for sending the first draft. Um, yeah, I know you want to talk about it, um, but I can't continue with the interview, period. Yep, you're fine. Um, I'm just going to let you know that I'm not continuing with Brian's appeal. Uh, no, he's still appealing. I'm not his advisor anymore. 
uh, when when we spoke last month, you and I, um, I was not well enough informed about the entire situation. Uh, we were working on his appeal and his story changed. And I said, are you lying to me? I was under the impression that Julia had provided explicit verbal consent. But it, now, uh, it turns out that Brian was drunk and doesn't remember and there's a lot about the situation. Um, he lied to me. I supported him. I vouched for him to my colleagues. You know, it's not about Brian. It's about professional integrity. And if I can't trust him, I, um, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I can't. Yep, I'm done. I'm sorry. You really need to go. Excuse me? Excuse me? No, I do not feel guilty. I took the appropriate steps based on the information I had, okay? I'm shocked you would accuse me. Julia is not, Julia does not look like a rape victim, okay? I had her in class. I know her. I don't know what else I was supposed to think. I, oh, okay, but it's done. Yep, it's done. Our meetings are done. Brian is still punished. That's it, the end. I'm not implicated in this situation, and I really do not like what you are implying. I'm sorry, um, that's it, that's it. No, you need to go. Yeah, good luck with your show. No, that's it, I'm done. You have to change play. Don't laugh, I'm serious. I know what I said, but this was a bad idea. We pushed too hard. Ugh, I had a terrible day of a stupid faculty meeting. I am unprofessional. I care too much. It is my profession to care. And what if I am unprofessional? I am only one who will help Julia. Stupid. It makes me sick. And what about Brian? Hmm? What did he do to deserve this happiness? And we do not? I am in a better mood. Well, I, ju I just thought, like, you sent the first draft of the play, and, like, I thought it was going to be about um, how evil I am. But I'm not even in it. Thank you. And it's funny. <laughs> like, I call my little sister. I told her, like, I mean, she doesn't know about, um, you know, this. But I told her, like, you're a clown. You fart. She loved it. That's like I haven't even been allowed to laugh in like months, you know, because like 
who knows what I'm laughing about. You know, people probably think I'm laughing about, like, killing panda puppies. <laughs> what? That's not a thing? <laughs> panda puppies. Cub. No. Puppy. Panda pup. Hey, have you seen? Okay, there's this video on YouTube. And the, so there are two in the snow. And yeah, but yeah. And then the little one is like. <gasps> That's like all I watch. Like videos of baby animals on YouTube. Because everything just sucks. And it's like, all I can handle is a panda puppy. <laughs> Cut. Puppy, just let me have it. What more will we give Brian? We don't punish, we ignore. But not just Brian, what about administration? We cannot give Brian little smack and then say, oh, we fixed it, it's done. No, what about policy changes? What about protocol to deal with sexual assault? What about training of faculty and staff? No, not going to happen. Why? Because today at faculty meeting, they say, oh, we need to study this problem. We need statistic. We need something we can trust. Don't trust trained Title IX coordinator. Trust statistic. What is so difficult about believing a woman? My little sister, when she's older, she's going to be an awesome woman. She wants to be an astronaut. But not like a little kid. Like She wants to go into the Air Force, get on the NASA track. You would love Alyssa. Well, I mean, I, I can't laugh around anyone else. And I talk to her like every single day. I mean, we don't, uh, we don't talk about this, but you know, cause she's just like a little kid. Can I, can I tell you something? My parents want me to move back to Dallas. I don't know. I mean, I have the appeal and my dad keeps saying like, I wouldn't be in this mess in Texas, but I can't. I, because like, like I don't want Alyssa to know, you know, like, who does she look up to? You know, it's like every day I wake up on the frat couch and I'm just like, thank God Alyssa can't see this. I mean, I could just, I could just go on forever. Like, like I just don't know how this happened. Rape doesn't just happen. That's all they said today at faculty meeting. How could this happen? 
on our campus. It doesn't happen. When you rape, you make series of decision. Decision. Okay, okay. For precondition for sexual assault. This is what I am trained in. One, there have to be motivation to abuse. I mean, I'm a freaking 21 year old boy. I'm gonna have sex. Like, okay, I went to health class too. Rape is about power. It's not about sex. Like, what if this was just about sex? Two, you have to remove external inhibitor. My dad and my mom, like my dad said the first time they had sex, she was so wasted, she didn't even remember her name. And like they got married. You know, like I knew a guy in, in, in high school who like got raped, like real raped. And like, it's different, like. It was on the walk home from like a bar and someone just appeared on the street like, that's rape when you have to fight. Three, you have to remove internal inhibitor. I mean, I was drunk, you know? You can't expect me to solve a freaking logic puzzle at two o'clock in the morning. This is college. We're all drunk all the time. Four, you have to remove resistance of victim through threat or force or drug or alcohol. I mean, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. Like, I'm just watching YouTube while everyone I know graduates. Like, uh, it's like I'm watching everything normal just disappear and I'm just I'm just so sick of letting their shit ruin my life this whole school is concerned with Brian did he do it is he innocent is his life over but what about Julia displayed you speak for survivor. So, in this play, you speak for you, you speak for me, you speak for Julia. Do not forget, do not say, just play right, just interview, no. You are in situation, because Julia, she know about this play. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm professional. I have to tell you this secret. This is not professional. I don't know where is Julia. Not one meeting in two weeks, not in class, not on campus. 
And the last time I saw her, I lose my temper. And I did not mean to, but I just, I don't understand why she don't want to file official Title IX complaint. But I did not think that this was too much. And I'm so sorry. And I don't know what to do because she's not missing person. She could be with Fred, but I don't know who, and I try, she may be seen on campus, so she's not a missing person, and I, I try to tell them that this is a dangerous situation. And we don't know if she is okay, or if tomorrow she will be okay, she could do something stupid. And no one cared about what happened to her because, oh, she's not a right kind of survivor. She's not smart enough. She's not nice enough. And Brian is so charming. So, who cares what happened to Julia? starts to dance. As she dances, she shows the placards. They read, I'm pretty. I'm white. None of you know him, so none of you doubt me. 
I'm also perfect at rolling my tongue. The clown rolls her tongue like a champ.
uh, my dad wants me to, my dad just booked my flight to Dallas. assault. You disrespected uh, survivors. You made them a joke. To be honest, I found the entire play appalling. And I think you need to take a critical look at what you are saying about a faculty that is doing everything they can to support survivors. Okay? Okay? I'm not stupid. I can read between the lines. I know, I know you think I didn't think that Julia was the right kind of survivor. Uh, that's unfair. It's unfair. Don't make me the villain. If you're gonna vilify anyone, vilify a rapist. I am just a professor. And so Julia, she find more on Google and she find writing about restorative justice. You know what this is? It would have made your play better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, this will be good for you. She found writing about hollow water reservation. This is reservation of indigenous people in Canada. And they have big problem with sexual assault. So they start program of restorative justice. This is uh, complicated. Spark note version. The perpetrator sit down with community and admit what they did. And then community feedback how they were hurt too. This is everyone. Survivor, survivor family, perpetrator, family, everyone else, they're all affected by one rape. And then the rate of sexual assault plummet. It's my dream for this campus. And Julia, she's so smart. She say, I could not say it better. She say, Lena, with so much shit on this campus, we have to use it to fertilize something good. <laughs> I need your help. Um, I, I just, I don't know what I'm gonna tell Alyssa. What would you, what would you say to her? No, but I, I can't admit. What do I admit? She's gonna hate me because I, I just don't know what I did. Like, how can you not know if you raped someone? Like, like what's consensual? Like, what's not consensual? Like, can you drink? Like, can you ever drink? Like, what if you're both drunk? Like, okay, like, what if you're a girl? Like, can a lesbian be a rapist? Like, 
I mean, like, you know what happened. Do you, do you think I raped her? Julia has been through too much, too much. So yesterday, we filed official Title IX complaint. Zina, the warrior princess. When you are, when you are survivor, everyone talk about you. And now she talk about herself. And so, we have to celebrate. So, I take Julia to brunch. <laughs> I love brunch. It's best reason to move to US. <laughs> and I tell her this, which I want to talk to you too, because one time ago you tell me you have funny clown play. Funny is American. You mean laughter. Laughter mean connection with someone, which is sign of healing. So, yeah, I tell her this, which I want to tell to you. I tell her story of when I was raped. So, yeah, I had bad trauma. For three months, I ate only banana and yogurt. That was it for three months. Yeah, so uh, I tell her this and then we get to brunch. And on the menu is dish, which is basically banana and yogurt. And so the waitress, she come over and she say, what do you want to eat? And I say, I'll have banana and yogurt because I was raped. <laughs> and the waitress is like, puppet, cannot say anything. And we are so laughing. You see, that is it. That is the difference. Okay. We are done. We did review. No more question. This is what happened now. You and me, we go to brunch. You have to try banana and yogurt. It rapes survivors special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let me tell you Russian joke. This is for next plate. <laughs> In Russia, we have different alphabet. We do not start a, B, C. We start Y. God, Y. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's go. Brunch. The clown enters, but she doesn't have a plan. She's just relaxing. Hello, clown. Clown. 
it's time for the finale. Did you know that? <laughs> of course you did. What did you prepare for us? <gasps> you prepared a finale, right? Well, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Metaphorically. Is that the script? Should I read this? Hello, and welcome to my finale. First, my impression of a tea kettle. Really? Where are we going with this? Clown. Okay, fine. First, my impression of a tea kettle. The clown does an impression of a tea kettle. so talented. <laughs> what a marketable skill. <laughs> Next, my impression of a Roomba vacuum cleaner. The clown does an impression of a Roomba. a ceiling fan. <clears throat> the clown does an impression of the ceiling fan. She ends with ripping up some of the script and blowing it across the stage.
sure you want me to read the next part? After telling someone for the first time that I had been raped, my friend Jessica recorded me singing. This song was the first piece of art I made as a survivor. I wish a ceiling fan could cry. On that date, people walked on by. On that day, the people walked on by. Little trains, windows fogged with mist. Little trains couldn't take me out of this. All I know were hands that weren't my own. Over places they never should have blown. He's healing something that he's always missed. By taking mine, it doesn't work like this. A ceiling fan, the only one who saw. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum, bum. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum, bum. I wish a ceiling fan could cry. Touch and hurt, throw her on the floor. Sounds so simple, words I've heard before. No one noticed, it sounds like it's a lie. Even breathing feels like I might die. A ceiling fan, the only one who saw. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum-bum. Ba-dum, ba-dum, bum-bum. Could cry. I've cried. I've screamed. My knees have bled. Just to erase this picture in my head. He's crying. He can barely see. For all my pain, he hurts worse than me. the business card from the beginning out of her pocket. She raises it high for everyone to see. Like a triumphant ceiling fan, she rips up the card and blows it across the stage. End of
I'd like to start, jump in right now for the interview, and then we can open it up to responses from the audience. Great. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having me, Lindy. Thank you, Antonia. That was a beautiful piece, and we enjoyed hearing it and having you here in our space. Now, the clown is such an important character to this piece. I wonder, could you talk a little bit about why you chose to include such a character in this, in this piece and how it originated and what the thought process was behind including the clown? Sure. Well, um, I um, was attracted to clowning before I was even writing it into this play. So it was part of my life previously. And... As a survivor of sexual assault, I was trying to heal, and part of my personal healing process was that I was really desperate to laugh with somebody about it, and that was really hard to find because everyone was, you know, people were pretty traumatized by hearing that I was a survivor, and that, and I couldn't find anyone to, like, have a moment of joy with, and Obviously, this is just my own personal experience as a survivor. Everyone processes differently. But that's where I was at, and um, I and I was thinking about clown, and so I was also learning about clown as a shaman of communities, this concept of the sacred clown, where clowns would have come into a bunch of indigenous communities, notably the Hopi Native Americans, um, as a voice of truth that can be that can reflect the truth of the community back to the community in a way with humor and also with more honesty than the community is capable of reaching on their own and so and it's just a tool of healing for a community and so it started to make sense that a clown spirit could help a community face the realities of what a survivor's going through in a way that maybe just a performer couldn't. And, um, and yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I think you did that quite beautifully in this piece specifically. Now, um, you talked about it being a very personal piece for you. What do you feel is gained by this piece being performed by a solo performer? And do you see that solo performer in the development of this work in the future being anyone that's not you specifically, you the writer? Yeah, well, so it is really personal in that um, I'm a survivor, and it's a story about survivors. But And the clown parts are very personal, but the um, text and the plot of the real person drama that's going on is not my own story. I was very careful to distance myself from the story because I felt like I couldn't approach the work in a healthy place if I was um, too deeply woven into the literal drama. So, so that helps me as a performer tell the story every night and also I think opens up the opportunity for other performers to come in. Um, I think that as it's a solo show because I believe that every member of a community dealing with sexual assault is to some extent an iteration of another person in that community. 
And I think that it's important to see that while these people are all so deeply different in their angle to the event and their reaction, that there is like this beating heart that goes through them all. And I think having one performer play all of those parts helps make that clear. And yeah, it is open to other people performing it in the future. For now, I'm building it. And so uh, it will be like a the when it's ready to go off to college, then maybe someone else can come in. But for now, it is very much my own play. Well, that's wonderful. Now, how do you think this play will impact college students? Um, I've heard that you've been touring it and, and really moving it forward within that community. How, how do you think it will impact the students? How have you found that it has already, if any? Yeah. Well, it um, definitely sparked dialogue in a way that I think a lot of the other college sexual assault orientation programs are not. And that's not a fault of them, it's just that theater is a really powerful tool to spark dialogue in a way that moves past the rational brain and straight into the empathetic part of the self, which is where um, I think more change can be made and more understanding of the issue can be found via empathy. So, so. I think theater as a tool for talking about this subject is more, or can be, more effective than a standard lecture. And in our experience with performing this for college students or just out of college students, um, we've had really positive feedback that someone said it was more informative than any other college sexual assault program combined, because it, I think it gave them just a bigger understanding of the whole picture. Um, we're noticing that um, men are responding in a way that they've reported that they haven't, to us, that they haven't been able to feel included in the conversation before, which is great. Um, yeah, it varies person to person and college to college, but I think it is a useful tool to make this discussion happen in a more productive way. I completely agree. And going off that, to include all of our wonderful audience members here um, in that dialogue, I would like to open it now up to all of you. If you have any questions for Antonia or Angela, can we bring Angela up? Absolutely. There's a third stool here. Please. Sure. Any of you have any questions or comments? Were there anything in this piece that surprised you or that you found unexpectedly? Yes? Well, yeah, I found the writing just nuanced and incredible and just sort of profound. And it's um, like you know that character and you know that woman. And I wondered if these were specific. Um, I guess I people whose stories you'd heard or like kind of compilations or um, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and also it's just amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. It's really good to see you. Good to see you.
Um, did you want to like repeat that back, like you were saying? Uh, I believe the question asked was about the compilations of character and, and the women specifically in, in the piece. Is that correct? Um, each of the characters, if they're you know, like are composite characters, or if each of the characters are composite characters. Yeah, they are. This was um, the product of many, many months of interviewing. It started with survivors and then um, expanded to members of college communities, including professors, staff, administration, um, perpetrators, to really get a whole picture. So yeah, the, and they're all composites of some are like, are directly quoting people, some are paraphrasing people's, the plot is my own invention to make things really weave together, but the people living in that plot are very real. Yes? I guess I was surprised to hear these supposedly very educated, progressive professors having this attitude of she doesn't look like s someone who would be raped or she was acting this way so she deserves it. Do you find that that's a really widespread belief among these people, or is it more marginal? Um, it's place to place and person to person. It's a very real attitude that I've seen. Angela, did you want to add anything to that? Yes, yeah. sure. Um, so in, in uh, this culture that we're in, there's this idea of uh, the perfect survivor, which we kind of address in the middle of the play in the, in the third clown piece. Um, you know, the perfect survivor who is spotlighted, um, has uh, privileges that we see. They're usually white women, able-bodied, cis, um, straight, uh, uh, the list goes on. And, you know, to even be considered, uh, you know, to give attention to this uh, perfect survivor, um, they have to have all these qualities. and. The thing is that there is no such thing as the perfect survivor. Each survivor is an individual, and and each story deserves you know the attention and the respect. And and Antonia and I we talk a lot about the intersectionality of this identity. Like a big reason that we found success with PTSD is because Antonia is you know a white woman who has this platform and this education and this theater background, incredible actors, et cetera, et cetera, we have to think about all those bodies who are not, um, who do not have that attention. Um, uh, sexual assault, for example, in trans communities of color is very, very high, and those are never the people that you see being reported on. So we need to be able to open up this conversation to, you know, taking the survivor for at their word and, and listening to who they are as an individual. Um, and that's, that's super, super important. And um, we're really proud on our team with PTSD, Post Traumatic Super Delightful. Um, we are a team of 10 women and um, we have, we try to be very diverse and have diverse backgrounds and we are constantly talking about, you know, these topics and it's, it's super important um, that you know, it's it's ingrained. Everything we see in the media is is wanting a certain picture of something, but it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. 
Yeah. So yes, it's not just the you know liberal college professor like that. Like, I think it's just exposed to everyone this idea, even if you haven't taken the vocabulary to think about it in that way. Yes, ma'am. Do you think that by using the term PTSD and making it charming, you're going to alienate people who served in the military and killed and watched people get raped daily? I mean, by taking something that's so powerful that so many veterans are fighting for, not saying anyone who's gotten an assault or an abuse is not suffering post-traumatic stress, you know, but by taking that, and it's a little jarring. It's a little bit like, I, how are you, what would you do? I mean, I automatically feel like, no. <laughs> Don't use that term as like coming from a military family, served a bit, like that's not a term you guys should take and make charming. And you, like, it, I'm not saying you didn't suffer a trauma, yeah. but be careful with that, also with the fight of women in the military trying to get the recognition that they are being assaulted and they are being raped. It's just, just why would you use that? I mean, are you guys at all in the, have you ever done the military thing? Are no. you, I would have, I don't know, I would think about that. That's, I mean, I'm not totally sure what your question is. I feel like it was more of a comment. It kind of was. I yeah. mean, why would you guys use that? Why would you feel that it was okay to use that term and make it something else and giggle? So, I mean, the, I, the, um, PTSD is, and it's contentious because of this issue, but it's very well reported and studied as being very prevalent in survivors of sexual assault in the same degree as it is to people in the military. Right. So it is an apt um, usage of the word PTSD to apply to a survivor of sexual assault, and I don't want to go into the... Um, the whole of comparing someone's PTSD to someone else's PTSD. Right. I just think there isn't that right now, so it, it immediately sparks the military thing, mm -hmm. which I almost feel like takes away from what you guys are saying and doing. Because it's like mm -hmm. nothing, which isn't valid, nothing you're doing is as valid as theirs. Like some, someone else's experience that we're being told every day is very traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's just an interesting choice to me. It's a different way. I would never say that you don't have that experience, but it's, a, it's an interesting choice to, to make it charming at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I don't feel like I really need to respond. I, I'm no, hearing your, hearing I'm your just, comments, and yeah. thanks for sharing that. I loved your piece, though. Thank you. It was wonderful. I'm glad you shared it, and it's powerful that you did. Thank you, and thank you for sharing your comments. Thank you so much for engaging us today and for being here for Post Traumatic Super Delightful with Antonio Lazar and Angela Dumlao. Thank you so much for being here. And please listen for more of a collaboration with Lady Plays and Letter of Mark. We'll be continuing this reading series. Thank you. in our live episode series is The Pull of the Moon by Paige Zubel, which examines the aftermath of sexual assault and its effects on personal relationships. The play was directed by Lise Walker and performed by Meredith Cody, Jordan Racine, Terry Grease, and Kate O'Fallon. The Pull of the Moon.
age 45, a college professor. Masi, age 21, Aaron's boyfriend. Aaron, age 21, Masi's girlfriend. The back porch of a rundown college house. The five-piece patio set, one oval table, and four matching chairs had been spray-painted a bright blue, which, now dingy, is chipping away to reveal the apple red underneath. Two makeshift ashtrays in varying states of use sit on opposite ends of the table. It is 2 a.m. and dark. Fluorescent light filters in from the large windows upstage of the patio furniture, the back of the house. An inset light above the doorway of the back door is on. A soft spotlight for the glow of the moon casts onto the table. It is hot. The air is heavy. Masi and Aaron sit across the table from one another. Masi does not smoke. Aaron's open pack sits in the center of the table, a little further from her than her strong drink. Lights up downstage left, where a simple podium has been erected. Roger stands behind it, sharply dressed, comfortable in front of an audience. When Roger speaks, Masi and Aaron are in darkness, only illuminated by the light of the projections aimed directly at them. When Roger speaks, Masi and Aaron are not frozen, but their movements are muted and smaller, as if their lives have been slowed down. When Roger speaks, Masi and Aaron do not acknowledge him. People think that waves come from the pull of the moon, but they don't. Those tides are small, small waves, if you will, the oblong gravitational orbit of the moon tugs at great waters and draws a smear of the sea past the ocean's rim. Millions of air bubbles foam to the surface and splatter onto the shore every morning and night like clockwork. Peaceful, serene, predictable. Those aren't the waves we'll talk about here. Here, we're only concerned with the power of nature, the walls of water that wash away homes and reduce entire civilizations to mere memories of steel and bone. No air bubbles, no foam. Those are not our waves. Our waves begin in the belly of the ocean, deep in open water. Lights down on Roger. Aaron lights a cigarette and takes a drag. Masi crumbles a dry leaf and watches the pieces fall through the gaps in the tabletop lattice work. Aaron? You look nice. You look nice today, tonight. You're pretty in the moonlight like that. I took notes for you today in class. I left a uh, post-it on the fridge, let you know I was going. I don't know if you saw it. I wrote, give me a call so I know you saw this. So I guess you didn't see it. I thought you might want to know that he, um, I mean, I emailed the notes to you. I emailed them to you if you want them. Thanks. 
I just thought you might. I said, want. thanks. I said. I know you probably won't look at them, but I, I thought. Okay. I might. You don't know I won't look at them. Okay. I hope you do. Don't say I won't look at them. You don't know what I will or won't do, so don't assume that I just might look at them, okay? But if I don't, I don't. And you can't be mad at me for that. I didn't ask you to take notes. I did not ask for that, so. <laughs> that class is boring anyway. It's not that bad. Sorry. Don't be. Do you want to go to bed yet? You can go to bed. It's 2 a.m. So go to bed. I'm not going to let you sit out here by yourself. Why not? I was by myself all day. You went to class. I stayed here. That's not the same thing. I had to go to class. You made a choice to go to class. I'm paying for it. I have to go. I'm paying for it, too. Well, yeah, but... But what? I chose to stay here. You chose to go. You left me alone. I don't see why you suddenly care about leaving me by myself now. I went so I could take notes for you. So selfless. Just go to bed, Nasi. I don't want to. Yes, you do. I can tell when you're tired. Your face starts to sag. You look old. Okay, I'm tired. But if I go to bed without you, you won't. You'll stay up all night smoking, drinking. Then you'll run out of cigarettes because you only buy them one pack at a time. So you might want to drive to a gas station. Uh, but you'll have been drinking and uh, I'll wait. You'll be waiting a long time. Fine. You'll be too tired to go to class tomorrow. Fine. Really? But you're paying for it. You have to go. Did you smile? <clears throat> what? In class. Did you smile? I don't know. I know you do that. Give smiles to people who are in front of crowded rooms. So if they're scared or nervous, they see your face and maybe they don't feel so bad anymore. It's small, but it's encouragement. Did you smile? Did you try and give some small comfort to the speaker at the front of the room? I don't remember. I bet you fucking smiled. Are you mad at me? I was trying to help. By taking notes for me. Yeah. Big fucking help. You're the best. Do you want to fail? I don't want anything. You're going to have to take it all over again if you fail, you know. You'll be right back where you started. You said the class was boring. Do you want to take it twice? 
just come inside with me. We'll look over the notes together. I'll talk you through it. No. I don't want to look at them. I'll just imagine you smiling your big, shiny smile. And it'll make me hate that part of you. It might make me hate every part of you. I didn't smile. You said you didn't remember. I don't. So you smiled. No, I didn't. Did you actively try and stop yourself from smiling? Were you thinking the whole time, there he is. There he is. So you smiled. I didn't smile. I know who you say he is. Who I say he is. I'm not a liar. I know that. Then why would you say it like that? Who I say he is. Like my word is water. That's not what I said. You said who I say he is. I didn't mean it like that. It's late, okay? I'm tired. I had class. Class. <clears throat> I know. Okay. You shouldn't have gone. I didn't have a choice. That's bullshit. No, it's not. You always have a choice. I don't have a choice. If I want to get an education, that will help me get a job so I can afford to live in a life, uh, so I can afford to live a life in a hardwood floored and windowed box somewhere that's safe and warm and... You choose the idea of a hardwood floored box over me. I chose to help you, but you keep making me qualify everything I do. Stop doing this. Stop making me feel bad. I didn't smile. I know who he is. I should make you feel bad. You deserve to feel bad. For trying to help? For choosing to go to class. Fine, okay? Fine. I chose wrong. I'm sorry. I might have accidentally smiled. I'm sorry. I do everything wrong. I'm sorry, okay? Aaron takes another drink. She reaches for another cigarette halfway in between her and Mossy. Mossy warmly puts his hand over hers. I'm sorry. Don't touch me. Lights up on Roger at his podium. Our waves. Not the foam spittle, remember? But our powerful, earth-shattering waves. They begin in the pit of the ocean, brushing against the ocean floor. Wind whips across the surface of the sea, and the currents ripple all the way down to the depths of the water. This is where the energy begins. Now, waves are energy. They tell you that in eighth grade science when you're learning how radios work, but it applies to water as well. They're energy. Water clings to the skeleton of momentum and inertia and, of course, gravity. So it doesn't look like energy. It looks like a wave. But there's a driving force to that whip of a water careening toward the ground. This energy builds in a swelling collection of water. And when the power of the wave below the sea grows strong enough, it propels itself up. Water slices water up from the ocean floor to the ocean ceiling in one swift shot. That's 
energy. Lights down on Roger. Masi slowly pulls his hand back an inch from the pack. Still? Have you been to Louisiana? What? Louisiana. The state bird is the brown pelican. It's only one of two pelican species that hunts by diving into the water for fish. Did you know that? I thought it was just any old brown pelican. Like if one pelican is white or gray, doesn't count. But if it's brown, state bird. Random luck sort of thing. For the bird, I mean. But it's actually its own species. I've been to Louisiana. What did you think? It was nice, I guess. It was a long time ago, family road trip or something. I don't really remember. What do you remember? Did you know Baton Rouge is the capital? Yes. But New Orleans is the biggest city, even though it's not the capital. I think that's funny. The capital gets such a reputation, but it's not even where all the people are. I guess. Don't you think New Orleans should be the capital? <laughs> After everything those people have gone through, just completely destroyed by water, where the brown pelican dives for fish, and then they rebuilt. I think it should be the capital for that. They're still rebuilding. What? They haven't rebuilt. It's not past tense. It's not done. The pictures online look done. It looks nice there. The pictures online only show you what they want you to see. There's a lot of ugly still. They hide that part. Well, how would you know? You don't remember, remember? I'm just saying. I think I want to go there. Okay. They've got lots of colleges. They should change the name. New Orleans. It sounds so easy. It just slides off the tongue. Nothing about what they've been through is easy. They need some hard sounds. A K or a P. Something plosive, something that catches. You're looking at schools in New Orleans? Yeah. I didn't know you wanted to go to grad school. I don't. So why are you looking at schools? To transfer. What? Why? It looks nice there. Why would you transfer? You've got one semester left. So? Are you mad or something? No. Then look at me. You're being selfish. You can come with me if you want, but you can't chain me here. I didn't say anything. I know what you're thinking. I didn't say anything. Do whatever you want. You decide you want to up and leave all of a sudden, fine. I'm not mad. You should be. I decide to up and leave all of a sudden. Up and leave the place where you are. 
I didn't think too hard about it, didn't weigh the pros and the cons, just decided. I'm treating you like you're nothing. Are you trying to upset me? No. Are you sure? I understand if you're mad. I'm not mad! Yes, you are! Your face is sagging and your cheeks are red. You're tired. You look like a tomato. Mossy bangs the table and digs into the latticework with a closed fist. Damn it, Erin! I'm not mad! Hey. Maybe I'd feel better if you held my hand. I thought you weren't mad. I'm not. So you don't need me to hold your hand. I'm not mad, but I could still use a reminder that you give a shit about me. Hold your own hand. Seriously? Yes. Seriously, Erin! We talked about this. Don't get defensive or hurt or angry. We fucking talked about this. Three months ago. So? A lot can change in three months. A lot should change. Is that what you think? Yeah, I do. If you try. If you actually really try. I am trying. Really? Yes! By skipping class? By smoking and drinking? Just because you don't see it? You're right. I don't see it. I am trying every day. I am trying. You're trying? What's there to try? What do you have to do? You're fine. You're doing anything. I don't sleep in my own bed for you. I sleep on the floor, so you won't accidentally brush against me in your sleep. I can't use my own bathroom if you're showering or brushing your teeth or putting on makeup. I can't open any doors in my own home when it's dark. The creaking gives you panic attacks. If you close the kitchen door, I have to wait until the sun comes up to get a glass of water. I have stopped my life for you. I have changed every pattern, every routine I've ever known. I'm a stranger in my own house. For you, I am doing everything. You said New Orleans is still rebuilding. You aren't New Orleans. You said they're still re rebuilding. Not rebuilt, not past tense. It's not done. It was 10 years ago and they still haven't recovered. They're trying, but... When the water and the wind hit, there were 484 1,674 people living there. Did you know that? 1,577 people died. That's 0.00325373% of their people gone in one night. And after 10 years, they still haven't recovered. Point zero zero three two five three seven three percent. This is one hundred percent of me. What do you think can change in three months? I just want to hold your hand. No. Lights up on Roger at his podium. When a wave 
shoots from the ocean floor to the ocean ceiling, its shape changes. If you think of a wave, it's like a crest. The base is flat and rounded, sinking into the sea, and it coils up and over like smoke on a thick day. But inside the ocean, a wave is a straight line. As it shoots up, propelled by energy, it's, it's energy. Don't forget, this top of this line of the wave pierces decreasingly dense water. The bottom of the line of the wave is still compressed by millions and millions of tons of sea and cannot rip through the ocean as quickly as the suddenly free top line of the wave can. The top line of the wave moves faster and faster. The bottom line of the wave by design can't keep up. And so the line begins to slant. The top line of the wave racing far ahead as if dragging the wave taut to the brink of its snapping point but before it can, but before the energy can be severed, the wave emerges into the air and rolls into a crest. Lights down on Roger. Erin grabs another cigarette from the pack and puts it between her lips. She lights it. <laughs> Nothing. You're laughing, what is it? It's not. It's just that cigarette between your lips. It's closer to you than I've been in months. I touch you, you pull away. But a cigarette? <laughs> it's just funny. That's not funny. It is? Smoking kills people, you know. You should be crying, not laughing. The only things you touch are the things that kill you. I don't have any tears left. You've cried? Yeah. Manly. Crying isn't manly enough for you? You want me to be a man. What is a man to you? Scare you? Be poisoned to your touch? What do I have to do to be a man? That's not what I meant. It's what you said. But it's not what I meant. It's late. You said things. I said things. Why did you say it? I don't know, Masi. Let it go. No, you tried to hurt me. I'm not just going to forget it. I didn't try to hurt you. Why would you say something like that? Why would you try to hurt me? I just said it, okay? It just came out. It just came out? You're turning into him. What? He hurt you, right? Now you're hurting me. You got sucked into his cycle. Don't you dare compare it. Into his vortex, like he's sinking and holding on to your ankles to drag you down with him. But instead of kicking him, you're kicking me. Don't you dare compare it. It's the same thing, isn't it? Making someone else feel smaller, so you feel bigger? You don't know what you're talking about. You're the only one who can feel pain, is that it? You've sucked up all the pain in the world and there's none left for anyone else? You're selfish! I'm not selfish, I'm recovering! I'm recovering! From what? From you! I haven't done anything to you. You want me to be small? You want me to be your bug? 
so you can squish me and feel strong, feel that moment of relief that comes from causing pain instead of carrying it, here I am. Here's your boat! Stop it. Mossy falls to the ground. Squish me! Squish the stupid, pathetic bug! Put it out of its misery. Be a hero. Stop it! I'm giving you what you want. You don't want I love yous on the fridge or classroom notes. How dumb am I? Mossy crawls towards Aaron. This is what you want. Hurt someone the way you've been hurt. Come on. Destroy me. Destroy me so you can sleep tonight. Erin stands from her chair to escape Mossy. You're insane. You're right. I don't even care about myself anymore. That's how insane I am. Rebuild New Orleans. I'm your first nail to sink into the ground. Get the fuck away from me. Mossy stands. Because you want to do it, right? You've been hurt. Now you hurt back. Pain is cyclical. Mossy advances closer to Erin, who stands trapped. I feel it, too. I can't breathe. But there's so much air between us. You're too close, I cannot breathe. Just fucking try. I can't! I can't. I'm breathing all your air? Push me away, I'll fold. I don't want to touch you. Oh, I know. Mossy runs his fingers up and down an inch away from Aaron's arm. Get away from me, Mossy. Why? The last person who touched me... I'll think of him. If you touch me, I'll think of him. You're always thinking of him. Not when I drink. When you drink, when you sleep, you call his name at night. I hear his name more than I hear my own, and with more of your soul in it. I hate his name. I hate the way you say it, like he's your everything. There's no room for me when he's your everything. You're scaring me. You've been scaring me for a long time now. Why should you get special treatment? Mossy's fingers hover closer. I'll scream. People are at home in their beds, sleeping. Fucking. They'll hear me. They'll come running. Everyone always comes running when a girl screams at night. Not always. I'll scream. Scream. Erin starts to scream, but Mossy puts a hand over her mouth. She writhes under his touch. You're my bug. Did you know that? I want to make you smaller so I can feel bigger. I want to squish you. I want to destroy you so I can sleep tonight. I don't think I've slept in years. It's been three months, but it's been years, hasn't it? And it will never end. We're all trying to rebuild with the parts of each other, and there just aren't enough to go around. Erin struggles against his grip. Her body flails. Stop touching me! Stop touching me! Stop touching me! Stop touching me! Erin breaks free of his grip. She bends over and pants. Mossy watches. Was that manly enough for you? Lights up on Roger at his podium. Our wave has surfaced. It was dormant under the mask of the top water, swirling into a frenzy, but it can no longer be contained and has emerged. Do you understand the crest? The furl and unfurl of the rippling water were cycling back and forth on a skeleton of sheer power. It's energy. It is always energy. Without it, waves are powerless. Lights down on Roger. I told you I would think of him. If you touch me, I feel him. You feel like him. You're him to me That's now. It's bullshit. It's not bullshit. I'm leaving. Aaron tries to grab her pack of cigarettes, but Mossy knocks them off the table. You think if I'll stay if you throw my stuff around? Where are you going to go, Aaron? 
Who do you have? No one. Aaron tries to find her pack on the ground. Who is left that hasn't called you a liar or a whore or an attention-seeking slut that liked it and was just upset when he went back to his wife? That's what they say in class, you know? They say you liked it. They talk about it. Whispers, notes in the textbook margins. If he hears, he doesn't stop it. I learn more about their idea of you than I do anything else. I know. I want to kill them for you. When I hear it, I want to scream at them, rip them apart. But when, but then a part of me thinks, what if they're right? What if I've fallen for this elaborate lie because you don't have any proof? Just bruises under your sides, and those could have come from anywhere, and all you have are words. I can't do anything with words, and I want to believe them. I want to believe you. But then I'll be making a choice I don't know if I'm strong enough to stand by. It's the funniest thing. You sound like Masi, but you don't look like him anymore. I hope making me your bug was worth it. Aaron tries to circle the table to get to the back door. Masi blocks her. Who are you going to go to? Who is left that isn't me? I'm it. You don't believe me. You think I lied to you, made it all up because of some sick, exhausting game I enjoy. Games have winners, so what do I win by playing? I don't think you lied to me. It was just a thought. I'm trying to talk to you about how I feel. You can't do anything with words, so what can I do with yours? Stop listening to what I'm saying and listen to what I mean. No. You scared me. I can't stay here. Yes, you can. Get away from me. I'll kill you, Messi. Touch me again and I'll light you on fire or I'll bite your throat. Or, I've been reading. New Orleans is still rebuilding and self-defense for when you're smaller than they are. I've been reading and I'll fucking do it, I swear to God. Erin. Don't say my name. You don't get to say my name anymore. I didn't do anything. You put your hand on my mouth. Because you were screaming. Because you threatened me. You wanted me to be a man. I was trying to give you what you want. I want you to leave me alone. I want to be alone. I want you to go to class and go to sleep and leave me out here to think about things that aren't you. Because when I think about you, I think about him. And I don't want to think about him anymore. I'm tired. I am so tired. I'm so tired of thinking about what I can't think about and what I can't do and what I can't say and where I can't go and who will be there when I do go where I can't go, and what will they think, and how will I hide, and what should I wear so I can just blend it a little bit better, and trying not to think about all of this is like trying to dam everything up in the world at once. It's just, it's impossible. And then you touched me, and the one good thing which was your touch, the one hope I had, the one promise I kept for myself, that I can finally rebuild, it's now just like him, because you grabbed me, and you hurt me, and you didn't give me a choice. I want my choices. I want my choices. And you took them away from me. You and him are the same. I hate every part of you. I don't know where I'll go, but it is not here. I've changed every routine I've ever known. Move, Masi. 
Just hold my hand. No. Please, just hold my hand. No. Get out of the way. Push me, and you'll feel it. That I'm me and not him. You'll feel it and everything will be okay. Pain is cyclical. Neither of us will ever be okay. We need the parts of each other. If we just... Get out of my way. If we just stay together, we'll get through this. I'll help you rebuild. We'll kill each other. I would never hurt you. You already have. I've seen the monster in you. You've seen it in me. We'll kill each other. Move. I don't want to. I know, but you will. Because you don't want me to see the monster inside you anymore. You think it will help, giving me what I want. But I've already seen it. I won't forget. You might. Mossy steps out of the way. Aaron walks past him. Lights up on Roger at his podium. Both Roger and Aaron speak to the audience. Final review. When brown pelicans hatch, they're small and naked and helpless. The parents have to care for them or they'll die. Some of them die anyway. People think waves come from the pull of the moon, but they don't. Those are the tides. So many predators, eagles, house cats, humans. Anything can hurt anything when it's naked and helpless. Peaceful, serene, predictable. Those aren't the waves we'll talk about here. I wonder what it must feel like for something that young and small to be snapped in half. What do you feel first? The bones crunching, the blood seeping out of you with every beat of your faster and faster pounding heart. No one can tell us what it's like to die. Our waves begin in the belly of the ocean. Sometimes I want a chance at anyway. Now waves are energy. That's not wrong. To think about dying. It's human to want more than what we have. Why should I be made to feel guilty for that? Make the people feel guilty who whisper in classrooms and write notes and textbook margins. I can't help the human experience. They. They can help letting their monsters show. This energy builds in a swelling collection of water, and then it propels itself up. They want to bury me. Water slices water. I didn't do anything. That's energy. You believe me? When a wave shoots from the ocean floor to the ocean ceiling, its shape changes. I was interested. I was excited. I was ready to learn. I was a good student. Was. Everything about me now is a was. As it shoots up, propelled by energy, it is energy. Don't forget, the line begins to slant. Because I don't know who that person is anymore. The person who can't find their own scream in their own body. When I can feel my bones snapping and the blood seeping out of me with every faster and faster pounding beating of my heart. Who has so little value for their own life that they can't even scream? The top line races far ahead, the bottom line dragging behind, but before it can snap... Ah, so I put chemicals in my body. 
Because why should I deserve my existence when I didn't value it enough when it mattered most? They say shock can do it to you. That fight or flight can bury itself into you and you don't know to kick away the predator until it's too late. The wave emerges into the air and rolls lie. into a I wouldn't crest. lie. This isn't that... This isn't that kind of attention I want. Who would want to be the girl who opened her legs to a teacher and then cried rape about it? Why would I want that? Our wave has surface. It's energy. It's always energy. Without it, the wave is powerless. Would you? I want to see the waves in you. And I can feel it rolling in me. All of this anger and fear and all these things I'm not saying and didn't say and not doing and didn't do. And it's building and it's building and I don't know what's going to happen when it finally comes out. It makes me happy when I see this energy in you. That's when I know I'm doing my job. There are monsters in all of us. The difference is if we're ashamed of them or not. Any questions? I didn't report it. They said if I was telling the truth, I would have told someone, someone who mattered. I told myself it wasn't real or that it was a mistake. I had given the wrong cue or laughed a little too loud, made him confused. He's only human. The screaming, maybe he didn't realize. And my no's and please and please stops, maybe he just didn't hear it. I wanted it to be my fault. It was easier if it was my fault. But after a week, the lie got thinner and thinner paper-thin, translucent-thin. I could see right through it. And then time had passed, and how do you explain that time, the lack of urgency? How do you explain that you tried to make it your fault because of how much easier that would have been? I didn't know how. I don't know how, I don't know how to ask. Can you search for that on the internet? Sure you can. But brown pelicans and how many people died in New Orleans is so much easier to look at because they're distant. They're numbers on a page, a percentage on a calculator, after a series of other numbers and buttons and equations and 1,577 is just a number that is smaller than a lot of other numbers. 1,577 people died. Do I know them? Do I care? I don't. In America, a woman is raped every two minutes. That's 262,800. Just women, just one country, just one year. Did you know that? 
Do you care? My life, my pain, my everything I have ever been and everything I will ever be is a number on an ever-growing number that will always be smaller than a lot of other numbers you've seen. And I have to be okay with that. Because all I have are words, and you can't do anything with words. Two classes a week, 16 weeks a semester, 300 or more students per class, 40,000 students in a university, 80,000 pairs of eyes, millions of eyebrow follicles furrowing at the sight of me, and billions and billions of thoughts and insults and sneers that my existence of one can never compare to. I'm just one. I will never be more than that. I can be less. I can be point zero 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 three eighty one percent of all the women in all of America in one year. Rape. It's an ugly word, isn't it? It's a word we don't like to say. A word we hide behind as we chant non-consensual sex, implying sex is, so is something that is always consensual. It has a hard sound. Something plosive, something that catches. Aaron is easy. Aaron is easy. That's what they say. With three-month-old bruises still yellow, round under my shirts, they get thicker and thicker and try to protect me from a hidden kind of monster that I will never see coming. Before I saw the world in colors, in the movement of rainbow spectrum throughout time and space, because that was beautiful to me. And now my world is numbers. Numbers that will always be bigger than my existence of one. It's easy to feel like a bug when the only thing you see is everything that is so much bigger than you are. I don't know if I will ever rebuild. How long does it take to re-become whole when you are point zero 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 zero? 381%. Roger and Aaron speak to the audience. Any questions? Do you believe me? Any other questions? Do you believe me? Come on, class. This is your grade here. Do you believe me? That's energy. Aaron sinks to the ground. The spotlight fades on her crumpled form. A wave lives only once. There is no such thing as a rebirth in the water. Only recycle, only reuse. When a wave crashes back into the sea, that's it. Its own energy destroys itself. It's not a tragedy. 
The wave is designed to self-destruct. It knows from birth the end is always coming. It pushes forward and grows larger and larger, all the while knowing that the higher it soars, the further it has to fall. It sinks into the sea, back to where it came from, rippling the water for miles and miles in memory of what greatness it used to be. When the ripples fade away, there is no trace of the power that it once was. Ephemeral. You want to see it. You want to witness it. Or you could never really trust that it happened at all. And then it all begins all over again. End play. Thank you so much for sharing that with you. And I do hope that you'll stay so we can get your feedback for our play right here. Um, Paige, I'd like to introduce you to the cast that just so beautifully performed um, your play here. This is Terry Bruce, Jordan Rossine, Rosine, Rosine, Meredith Cody, and Kate O'Fallon. Everyone, this is Paige. Paige, this was also directed by Geese Walker here in our audience with us here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn you around so you can see our audience members. Hello. The, the cast did a wonderful job tonight. I'm sorry, I know I was pivoted, but they, they heard that, Paige. Thank you. Okay. okay. Actually, I'm going to change the format a little bit because now that I have you here in front of them, I think it'd be great if we could take some questions from the audience. Anything that surprised you or brought anything up for you with this reading? If you had any questions for our playwright or for the director or the cast here, now is the time to share that with us. Um, and we'll we'll be able to pick it up on the recording too. And if you, Paige, if you need me to repeat anything, feel free to ask. Absolutely, thank you. Great, I'll start. Yes, please. So I love everyone's diction, it was really good, and there's a lot of choices you made, beautiful. Um, my quick question is, what was it like in the rehearsal process, or if you had one with a living playwright? Did anything change as you went through it? What was that like working together, or is this a first time, first read? How was that, did that inform decisions? writing decisions or? Um, well, we didn't work with Paige in rehearsal. Oh, okay. um, we had uh, just a rehearsal this afternoon. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, All right. so we got a chance to read it through a couple of times um, before this evening. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and there's been some further de development, but the play that we had was actually an original version of this, of this play. Um, Paige, do you want to talk a little bit about um, your development process before you sent it to us, after, and I know we were in communications about the version that we used, but maybe it'd be interesting to hear about a little more about your development process with this piece. Sure, absolutely. Um, this piece began, uh, I, I traditionally write realism and comedy, and I wanted to break it up a little bit and try a different structure and try something um, more dramatic in nature, and I, heard about someone wanting people to use waves as a sort of structure and I thought I could put you know a drama and try to do some different structure and something about waves and put them together and that created this play uh, along with what's very topical right now I am a uh, you know a college student 
I'm at University of Houston in Houston, Texas. Two hours away is Austin, uh, University of Texas. And they released a study very recently that said one out of five women during their time in college will be raped, which is an incredibly horrifying figure. And that's, you know, just four years in college. And so I thought that was, and then, you know, Kesha and what's going on with, wait, is that, is that just my generation? Wait, Kesha, is that... But that's also very topical and I wanted to try and tackle it, which kind of created this draft, which was very much um, pouring, if that makes sense. It just kind of poured out um, as a draft you saw tonight done by an incredible production team and an incredible cast. And I'm very grateful for all of you. Thank you. Um, in recent drafts, the, the process that I've been going on now is trying to condense my stream of thought um, and just make moments a little bit tighter um, because in the draft you saw tonight, the cast did a wonderful, wonderful job in my ramble speech. Um, and so I've, I've tried to make things land a little bit harder. I actually have removed the word rape from the script entirely um, because I, I felt like it is a very hard word to hear, and I was worried that it might have um, ostracized some audience members by hearing that word, so I've now, uh, I've tried not to make it an ambiguous event, but remove the word that might ostracize people from wanting to listen. Um, does that yeah. sort of answer your question? Yes, I thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely, please. Sure. I'm, I'm Steph, right? Her name's Paige. 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 Hi, Paige. Um, what's the most important thing you want the audience to walk away with? What's the most important either idea or feeling? What would be the, the if you could choose one thing, do you have um It's actually changed. Um, in this first draft, the most important thing was the statistics and the numbers. Mm -hmm. That was the most important thing to me first. It has now become um, the most important thing is the relationship between Massey and Erin and how her trauma is a ripple effect and it affects him as well. And even though she is the one who went through a traumatic experience, the, the kind of the lasting effects of that and the way people process things and in turn treat other people and the idea of feeling so terrible that the only thing that can make you feel better is hurting another person, which is, you know, a terrible way to act. It's a, it's a terrible thing to feel, but I feel like that is also human, and we don't like to talk about it, and that is what Aaron has done to Massey, because um, I also feel like when traumatic things happen, if there is anything said about it at all, and that is a big if, but if there is, that emphasis does go to the victims, and I think there are more victims in trauma than just the people who have the physical um, reminders of it. Thank you, thank you for that. Are, are there any other questions? Any, it doesn't even have to be a question. If you have any, any feedback at all, this is a really wonderful opportunity to have a playwright here virtually from Houston. So if anything struck you about the piece, uh, please feel free to share it. It definitely felt like after each argument, they got deeper and deeper into the trauma of it. And it felt like, um, it felt like you were, as every time he talked about waves, it felt like this couple was drowning more and more. And 
And is that something? How did the how did the comparison between the couple and his speeches uh, affect the story, or the contrast between the two? Was that on purpose to have the way the way you were? I'm, I'm so sorry. What was the last sentence that you said? I apologize. Um, I'm not even sure what I said. The, the, <laughs> the contrast between the teacher and the couple. Do you feel like that? Were you purposely... Uh, I, do you feel like it added to the drowning effect of their relationship? Or what was the, what was the purpose for having the contrast between the teacher and the couple arguing? That has also been something I've, I've been trying to work on in uh, later drafts to make that a little clearer, because that's a question I've had a lot, so thank you. Um, the, the intent was to have him be the professor that she is discussing, that's one connection. Yeah. And the other intent was to have the waves be a metaphor for a lot of things, a lot of grand, whatever it is that you wanted to take away, then that's wonderful. Um, but I was mostly thinking maybe the cycle of their relationship and how it builds and explodes and dies. Erin's um, internal energy, how she suppresses and then it builds and it can't be contained anymore and she has her um, explosion of, do you believe me? And then she crashes and dies. Um, and then the idea of power, which I think relates to Roger a little bit um, and, and how that is cyclical as well. Can I say one last thing? Question. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm hogging the uh, discussion. But I really liked how th their couple, you kept coming up with things that he would do for her, that he was trying to help her in her trauma, that she, it just wasn't working. And every time you heard about something he had done, they were talking about the things he had done or, or did do or would do. And I feel it would be even more exciting to see him try in the moment, not just talk about them, but also do things in the moment that show that he's trying to fix and patch things. Because yeah. then it gives them more reasons to interact and conflict. Yeah. And uh, you, it'll give you more to draw from, I think. No, I absolutely. If you think that absolutely. would help. I don't know. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yeah. Something I became curious about yeah. was, what, was what this relationship was before. Because I assumed it had to have a history before three months ago. Because otherwise I couldn't understand why, after the second time Mossy is like self, self-pitying, like I've changed my, I've changed my regimen, I've changed my, after he assaults her, like I just have no, I just completely check out, and you didn't, I mean it's not anything, your character I just check out from, because I'm like, you're, I understand she's self-destructive, but then I'm like, but you're now a part of the problem. Like I'm, I'm completely sympathizing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I understand like all the self-sacrifice you've done, but if you're not like, the platonic ideal of goodness at this point when like somebody really needs you to be it's like you you disappear from me as like your humanity like delinquishes um so after the second time you were like i've changed my schedule like i can't get a glass of water in the night that, that's when i started to go like oh this guy's going on a bad train <laughs> and, that was, and, and that was my experience if that's helpful to you no it is yeah Thank you. no that's great that's great i'm writing it down yes I thought it was the contrast between Professor Roger and I still don't get his name there. Massey. Massey. Mm -hmm. Yes. The more the more uh, Roger kept talking about the power of water and the waves and everything, the, the less powerful he got. I mean, it, it, it was an interesting contrast. You know, because he was essentially powerless. You know, Massey. Massey. The same. 
what kind of relationship did Mossy have with, or their relationship? What was their relationship? Was it a uh, marriage or boyfriend or? It, it was, uh, it is just, not just, it's boyfriend, girlfriend, and they have been together four years. Wow, I said that really, really wrong. Not four years, but for many years. I guess four years. Uh, <laughs> a time that would justify, which I, I know, I, thank you for this. I now know I can yeah. put it in the script a little bit more. Enough time to justify why he would stick around yeah, for three that. months of abuse. Um, it has to be long enough for there to be a lot of investment mm -hmm. in that. Oh, what's your favorite part or your favorite line in the script? Oh, that's that's an awesome question. Thank you for asking that. I don't know about favorite line. I do really, really love the bug part. Uh, that's my personal, the, the part where he becomes oh. a bug. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched Bug by Tracy Letts the, the day that I wrote this. And so I had to put it in there and I just, every time I hear it, I go, I did watch that show and I, I love it. Yes. There was a question that came up in rehearsal today that I wasn't able to answer, and we, we didn't really come to a satisfactory uh, um, point, which was about the title of the play, The Pull of the Moon. And um, if the pull, the, the first, the, the, uh, Roger talks about the pull of the moon um, not being the source of the energy of the wave, um, that it, it, it only controls the tides. So um, it, it's sort of a two-part question, but why, why then the title? Um, what, what, what is the significance of the moon? Um, and um, do you feel that the, I guess you already answered this about what the wave is. I'll leave that up to that one. The pull of the moon was the, the first thing I wrote about this, was just the title. Because um, I've read so much about myths and uh, speculations and stories about how the pull of the moon does create the tides in the world, but it is believed in some cultures by some people that the pull of the moon creates tides in people as well. Um, and so it was a an unintentional, which you know sometimes is a hit or miss sort of thing. Um, it was an intentional juxtaposition to the waves and a hope that um, maybe if I go about it in two ways, if I discuss the pull of the moon and that can infer uh, the moon pulling tides out of people, and that's why the spotlight of the moon is on her. And then also having the discussion of the waves, that she will be compared to this cyclical uh, birth and death of the water in some way, if that makes sense. I found myself trying to figure out what makes waves throughout the play. I was trying to figure out, like, well, if it's not the moon, what's making the waves? And that thought came up as they were, as the play was happening more than once. Okay. I don't know if anyone else had that experience where they're trying to figure out what, how the waves were made. It's just me. It's unique, but... 
just so you know that happens in your audience's mind sometimes. Well, he no, talks about really it. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, doesn't, he doesn't actually answer. It says energy, but that doesn't even answer. Just energy comes from. I guess you don't really. You keep asking where it's coming from. I don't know. At least I do. Yeah, I, we, yeah. I did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have to say that I felt that the. more impactful 
than the tides. Whereas if, for example, the moon were to come out of its orbit, there is huge destruction, but it is constant and predictable. And this may be a more interesting thing, the tides themselves, or for sure a more sustaining or kind of a, mm, a life-giving aspect of our, our planet. And so perhaps uh, this says about him something and is perhaps like a metaphor for, I hope, some source of hope in their relationship or at least in her life that mm, this experience has given her a particular kind of energy like the wave which may be self-destructive or may be cataclysmic but that perhaps in a more than symbolic way she has a hope or an opportunity for rebirth because of or by tying into some more lunar mm, influence like a way a tidal experience you know? yeah absolutely um the the idea of if her negative energy if this experience is a wave to her then that is what dies in the water mm. that is what um will not have a rebirth um when she finally allows herself to you know soar and crash and feel that ripple effect and then be released from it so absolutely i agree with you <laughs> yeah. Great. Yes. One thing I thought about while I was watching them argue is I wanted to see their best day together. I was I kept thinking like what was their relationship before the argument? Is there any way to see them on a good day together to get a better idea of how bad it is now? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that. No, absolutely, definitely. Speaking of yes. that, and also, and because I, I found that really interesting when you're talking about not. Uh, finding out more about Roger, um, because then you would think he was a monster. Um, thinking about their, their relationship with Mossy and Aaron, like that moment where where we found find out that Roger's the teacher, that was, I was like, oh! And that's when I, he was totally a monster to me in that moment. Because I like, I mean, with no details, I, I, that's just where I went to. But it also really changed my, my thoughts towards Aaron, because, when it's less described or when we don't know the circumstances and you know he's talking about the kids at school saying x y and z but we don't understand why um i just see him uh someone who's and and i this is probably because i don't have as much um experience with a relationship uh you know with having to deal with 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 rape and it really but i just saw someone who's being unsupported Okay. But, but once I found out that uh, what was up with Ro that Roger was the teacher, and then I made the connection to school, then I then I'm like, oh my God, there's so you know there's so much more going on. Mm -hmm. But but at that beginning point when they were having those fights, I didn't I didn't get to have those thoughts. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. There there are a couple of things that that. Uh, because we don't know the play as well as you do, and we had, you know, this afternoon to sort of make our backstories. Um, for, I, first of all, I did see a lot of love in their relationship. I saw the playfulness. We talked about that today in rehearsal. I saw the fact, I, I actually thought this was a great relationship, and, and I felt that the, the 
tragedy of the rape was taking its toll on both of them and that that was pretty clear to me, that they were both becoming monsters to each other because of, of this. Uh, in terms of Roger, I think all we know about Roger is that he loves waves. <laughs> right? But I think there's something about, especially with a teacher, when you find a, passion, a teacher whose passion is overwhelming, that becomes a very attractive quality for a male student or a female student. And that teacher, for me, for me, that's how I justify the title, The Pull of the Moon, was he was the, the pull of the moon was her gravitation toward him and the destructive thing that that became. And for Roger, I felt his, his whole modus operandi was, I want to see more, I want to see more, I like to provoke, I like to stir up, which is what sometimes what good teachers do, right? They, you know, I, I compared it today to a, a, a director, not necessarily a good director, but who will say things like, Jordan, I want more from you, I want more from you, I want more from you, and then slap you in the face, you know? And we've all seen, you know, things like that happen. It's destructive <laughs> to the personal relationship, but it comes from the passion of the individual to get more from the actor or more from the student. And that's how I felt this was justified for me. Maybe a totally different story than you wrote, but that's what I got. No, that's, that sounds, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with me. I love that. That's great. It's funny you talk about seeing the, the love, because I think about in Double Falsehood, like the way you meet the lovers, and, and I play a lover who like meets his love in conflict, and it's kind of like, that kind of brings me to a different opinion of where I, where I was. I still got off the train, this, this experience of it, mm -hmm. but seeing lovers in conflict is, is kind of the same as seeing them, is even more love-like than seeing them at highest wooing, because that's like, true love is actually like being able to come to some kind of compromise or negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and on, on that note, I would like to thank again all of our wonderful actors and The final play in our live episode series is Asking For It by Ellen Steves. Directed by Danya Tamor and performed by Kate O'Fallon, Meredith Cody, Jeff Kassam, Marie Karcher, and Ben Peterson. Asking For It explores how rape victims are forced to relive the crime over and over by the very people and institutions who are supposed to protect them. Asking For It. I married a woman made out of wax. You know, she burns so brightly and I can see the whole town. And we were happy. Then she started to melt, and that was good. It was easy to turn her head to make her look at the things I wanted her to look at. And she got smaller, and the wax got hotter, and I burned my fingers when I tried to touch her, and I burned my mouth when I tried to kiss her. And then we weren't so happy anymore. She got smaller and smaller until she was just a puddle on the floor. And she hardened there. When I have company, they walk by her there on the floor and shake their heads. But last week, I put a napkin over her. And everyone pretended they didn't see her. 
I'm a puddle on the floor. Fish tonight. Whatever you want. I want fish. Then that's what we'll have. Man leaves. Woman stands. She puts on a coat. Police officer walks in. Where? In your hospital records. Oh. Is the hospital record correct? Is the hospital... Yes. Yes. Describe the assailant. Aye. Aye. Describe the assailant. I don't know. Is there someone... Did you see him? I was getting fish for dinner. Is my husband here? He wanted the fish and I had to go to the other market to get it and I don't usually walk that way. Did the assailant come at you from behind? Did you see him? Yes. No. No, I didn't see him. Are you sexually active with any other man at this time? What does that Are you sexually active? I... My... Yes, my husband. When was the last time you had intercourse with your husband? Is he here? Did someone call him? Answer the question. I don't know. A few weeks ago. We're waiting on tests to identify the... we found in your... There's no way it can belong to your husband? Can I have some water? If you could just answer the question, this would all go a lot faster. There are a lot of people, you know, waiting. There's no way. That's all I need. We'll be in contact. Excuse me. Yes? Did you... They wouldn't tell me. Does it say in my file? What... was... was used? The object? Yes. Does it say? A whiskey bottle. Oh. Thank you for your time. What kind? Beg pardon? What kind? Of whiskey? Why? Evan Williams. All right. We tried to reach your husband. Did you leave a message? Does he know? Police leaves. Woman takes off coat, picks up grocery bag, sits back down. Man enters. I met an old friend. What old friend? From school. We lost track of time. I had to order in. I'm sorry. We need to talk. It won't happen again. I'm sorry. Not about that. At work, they want to promote me. Wonderful. But they don't think I'm a family man. Oh, no. <laughs> Make me a family man. Oh, no. I, I mean, not tonight. Yes, right now. You know, there's no time to waste. Rollins could sneak in past me. He's got three kids. A real family man. I can't. Uh oh, are you... Yes, yes. It's all a mess. <laughs> when you're done... Of course. I'm going to bed. I want us to have it all. Thank you. Good night. Woman sits at table. She pulls out a Jack Daniels bottle from the grocery sack. She stares at it. She starts to drink. And drink. A friend sits down. <clears throat> I've been here for two hours and you haven't let go of that handle. <laughs> you should slow down. I should. Whiskey wrinkles a woman's brow. Did you know that? Just the brow? 
I can already see them. Those fine lines. I have a cream for that. <laughs> Thanks. Well, don't get me wrong. A woman needs a coping mechanism. For me, it's a glass of wine and a Xanax at four. I tell you, four is the perfect time for a Xanax. Really? Whiskey, however. I never knew you to be much of a drinker. It's just hitting the spot today. Today. I saw all the empty bottles in your recycling. You were going through my trash? I'm a friend. I worry. I'm fine. Well, be careful. Whiskey rots the incubator. Everyone knows that. If you want a little bun in there, you don't want to be soaking it in sour mash. You certainly don't. It'll come out looking like a little Ernest Hemingway. Soaking. <laughs> oh, did you hear what happened on Bleecker two weeks ago? No, I didn't. Oh, you know Gerald has those connections with the police department. Plays poker with them twice a week. He's quite respected. Gerald should be uh, the man of the year for his Rotary Club. I remember. Well, can you keep it between me and the table? Of course. Well, they just had a poker night, and this is prime. They told him, and he told me, well, last week, on Bleecker, someone we know, someone in this neighborhood, they, she, it's usually a she, you know, with those kinds of things. Oh no. <laughs> She drinks and drinks and drinks. Oh, yes. I thought this was a safe place to raise a family. But every time you turn your head... Do you know who it was? Oh, they wouldn't say. What a bore those men are. But I've got my suspicions. You do? What about... Oh, what's her name? Down the street, she certainly looks like she's asking for it. Patty Baker? Patty Baker. Headlines are too short. Too short to be a mother. They are. And the way she throws her hips around. I'm sure that poor bum couldn't stop himself. Couldn't. You want to know the craziest part? What? He didn't stop once he was finished inside. I can't listen to this anymore. Trust me. No, he finished the way a man does. Sure. And then he used, he used a rum bottle. He was done, but wasn't done. Oh my god. I know! It broke off inside of her. They had to remove it piece by piece, shattered. Jesus. Oh, can you believe it? Me either. Broke it off. Did she know? She was unconscious when they found her. If it were me, I would have beaten that... that vagrant down. Don't you agree? With what? I wouldn't have let that... deviant... Deviant have his way with me. I would have fought tooth and nail, but oh, what's her name? Patty? She doesn't look like the type who fights. She's a, she's a lover. It's a nice way of putting it. Maybe it wasn't her. Maybe it was. I swear, I'm gonna find out the truth. This community has a right to know. You should leave it alone. Aren't you curious? Of course I am, but I don't know, maybe she's embarrassed. 
She was lying in the street with a broken bottle sticking out from between her legs, and you think she's embarrassed because of a couple of neighbors? Oh, I wonder if someone snapped a picture. Me too. Oh, is it really that time? Gerald got us tickets for something or other. I could be more excited. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, my darling. We have to do this more often. Mm -hmm. We really, really do. And I'll let you know what I dig up. Woman stands, puts on coat, puts whiskey bottle in pocket, and hunkers down in a corner. She waits. Someone stops and gives her money. Here you go. I don't. You should try and find somewhere to stay. These streets aren't safe. It's getting late. I'm not. I see you out here almost every night, for months now. It makes me really sad. You don't look like you belong. Thank you. God bless you. Rapist appears. He does not see woman. He smokes. He leers. He walks off. She follows. Rapist is sitting at table. Woman walks in behind him. Your door was open. God damn it, Lucy, get the fuck out! Enough already! Oh. Uh, uh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, I've been waiting. Fuck, where's the fucking... Don't... Don't kill me. I've been waiting for a long time. Get the fuck away from me. I never talked to you like that. Not even when you... What the fuck do you want, lady? I didn't tell the cops anything. I said I couldn't see you, but I can see you now. I forgot how green your eyes are. I mean, I knew they were green, but I forgot how green, evergreen. Get the fuck out of here. Please stop swearing at me, it hurts. Don't, don't drag it out, just do it already. Just fucking put a bullet in my head and go. You'd be doing me a favor, just... Just fucking do it. This is where you live? Yeah. It's nice. It's a shithole. Are you on drugs? I mean, do you do them? Drugs. I guess. I've never done any drugs in my life. Yeah, you want a fucking medal? No, my husband has lots of medals. Our house is full of medals. I said I couldn't see you, so they aren't looking. You did see me. Yes, I did. So? So what do you want? I'm not a liar. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the thing about, the thing about it is, it's like, uh, I don't know, you shouldn't be here. You can only be there, there where I left you. It, it's over. On the floor of our very tidy kitchen. Just a little pile that no one can quite scrape off. And trust me, they try. They scrape and scrape until my skin is raw. I'm so clean. Just like they are, so clean, I squeak. It was fucked up because, because I'm all fucked up. I'm a fucking stain on the floor. I'm like a puddle of puke on the floor. What's your name? Joy.
Joy. I hate that. Me too. So what do you want, Joy? Joy walks over and puts an almost empty bottle of whiskey on the table. End of play. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, we do, we are lucky enough to have Ellen Steves here with us tonight. I'd like to start our discussion uh, with just a few simple questions. Uh, what, what inspired you to, to write this play? Um, <clears throat> I saw a porno video of a passed out woman getting a bottle of whiskey put inside her and broke off. So that's it. That's the inspiration. Yeah, I wow. guess so. That's amazing. Um, how, what was your, your process like developing this piece? Um, this one I wrote a couple of years ago. I just wrote it like really quickly in sort of a mad dash. And then put it away for a long time. And then when I saw the submissions for this, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll bring that back out. And I kind of dusted it off changed a few things. And that's pretty much it. It's, it's uh, didn't go through many rewrites. It's also so short, you know, so it's not, okay. it's just like a little. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that final moment, the, the one where the woman and the, the rapist share uh, a laugh and, and seems like a drink? Mm -hmm. can, you, can you talk about your developing that moment? Uh, that's actually one of the changes that I made. It used to have a different ending, and then this read-through, or this round, I decided to change it a little bit and leave it a little more ambiguous. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, we'd like to hear from you, our audience, uh, who experienced that with us. If you have anything that you'd like to share, any questions, and actors as well. Um, we didn't have Ellen here with us in rehearsal, so if anything came up for you that you would like to talk about or ask, now is, now is a good time. I know this was a lot to, to process. Yeah. You guys did a great job, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Really, really nice That was nice my first question. <laughs> you were great, don't worry. Yes, done. Mm -hmm. And I also want, so I wondered about sitting in New York City, and I also wondered when it takes place, because I assumed that I would want to take place over many different periods of time in this country, um, because of how the dialogue goes, so I was just wondering about those things. Uh, it's interesting. I personally have never thought about it being set in New York City. Um, I use Bleecker Street because it's just such a generic, like, I think everything about it is very generic because I wanted, I wanted it to feel fairly anachronistic. I would say the only, uh, I mean there's a mention of someone snapped a picture so I think it's sort of post iPhone or I mean I would love to see a version where it's like one of those old cameras with the, <laughs> Interesting is that this is like a repeated thing that has been happening to women throughout 
Well, I think that's really what the show is about. I think it, for me, is about how when a person is raped, they are then raped many times afterwards. And that the most intimate details of a woman's body and her experiences and her behavior, they are translated and they become public knowledge. And I've just always been really struck with the idea that when you are raped, you're, you're always raped. Does that make sense? You never get to go back, even though your body heals and you can heal. It's interesting. Yes, yes. So in the, uh, in the final scene then, when the woman confronts her rapist, was that uh, something of a more of a whim for you or something you were trying out or is that based on the idea as we were talking about in rehearsal that um, it's something that's actually recommended to people sometimes to confront the person who hurt you? Oh my gosh, I don't, I, I could never take ownership or responsibility for anything like that. I just sort of, uh, you know, I was kind of reshaping and I had it going this one way and I was like, I feel like if I want to keep this story as broad and as uh, easy to place on any uh, surface, that I didn't, I wanted it to be open enough to start, to at least start bringing up the questions. I mean, I personally don't think rape victims should go out and go find their rapists and get drunk with them, but what do I know? Yes. I would say there are many possibilities. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that, that that final scene creates the possibilities of... This is, this is something that we've been talking about a couple of possibilities, but what is... Is there a justice for a rape victim? Is there anything? I mean, it doesn't seem like there, there is currently within the system. But that ending started opening up the possibility of retribution, um, uh, revenge, or some sort of weird fascination with the perpetrator. Or, um, I guess my question would be, like, what aspect of that, without revealing whatever the, the previous ending was, what aspect of that uh, started off that for that last scene for you? I don't know. Or you can refuse the question. No, no, no. I just want to think about it. I just want to. I want to take an Obama pause. Um, I think this character specifically, Joy is unhappy before the show starts. And I would say that she is then traumatized. And then, I mean, this, you know, the scene, should, they kind of, it's all kind of melty, it's kind of dreamy. I think that really it's, a, it's about watching a woman whose life has been set 
suddenly onto another course and she is sort of just reacting to the world around her and a lot of time passes. So I think it's really a exploration into trauma as well. Yes. Um, as you were writing this play or in like the preliminary aspects of it, did you like conduct interviews with any actual um, victims or? No, I mean, I wrote this in like 15 minutes. Yes. I mean, you kind of went into it with the, she was unhappy before she was raped um, and how a woman is raped again or a person is raped is like raped again and again. Um, why did you choose to make her husband so awful? So awful? An awful man. Like he didn't, <clears throat> why, like why? Why would you choose that the man, the only other man, like all the men are bad? Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like everyone's bad in this play. Yeah. I think I write, I would say I write, this for this one especially, they're all, I would, you know, they're, I don't know how to answer that. Person's pretty nice. Person's pretty nice? <laughs> all right. Yeah. Person is pretty nice. <laughs> No? Okay. Thank you so much for, for being here with us. Thank you, Ellen Steves and Danya Tamor and our wonderful cast here. Um, and please check out uh, Lady Plays podcast. This will be this will be coming out very soon. And I, I really appreciate all of you being here and, and engaging with us in this topic. Thank you, and thank you again to our ladies. Walker and Danya Taymor, our performers Antonia Lazar, Meredith Cody, Jordan Racine, Terry Grease, Jeff Kissam, Marie Karcher, and Ben Peterson. Chris Gillard of Soundhouse Audio, our sound designer, Theo Tasker, our composer, Letter of Mark Theatre Company, the Irondale Center, company manager Karen Ng, and especially to Antonia Lazar, Paige Zubel, and Ellen Steves for their fantastic plays. For more information about Lady Plays and to find out how to get involved, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find Letter of Mark Theatre Company on social media as well. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Lady Plays in iTunes or your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Thank you.